What do you do with the changing of the guard in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield? Is Josh Palmer still startable if Mike Williams returns this week and is one AFC South sleeper receivers big week 10 likely to continue in week 11 and beyond? Plus, the overall leader in the 2022 Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, Jason Kahn, joins us to discuss Van Jefferson expectations in a cupless Browns offense. Why Jameson Williams is not quite cuttable yet and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Stand the pressure. I've seen Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Boltman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you so much, Rab. Greetings and salutations to all you Balkaholics and Farrelliacs. Welcome to a very special Tuesday edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. As always, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to hash out whether Kenny Pickett might be a sneaky week 11 start, whether Kadarius Tony is in for another big weekend and more. Plus, the KFFSC main event leader makes an appearance to talk about Chase Edmonds' new role, replacing Dallas Goddard, and much more. That's all coming up with Jason Kahn here uh, in about 12 minutes or so. I want to remind everybody, if you have not joined the FFPC Weekly Challenge Week 11 yet, please do so. There is no draft. There is no salary cap. You pick your lineup, one player per NFL team. You can play with kickers and defenses and form a 12-team league, or you can play without kickers and defenses and form a 10-player uh, lineup. Uh, you can only pick one player per team. I think I said that already, but just to make sure, drive home the point because um, I always make one every week for some show content on the Better Sports Network High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, um, which you can watch tomorrow night at 10 o'clock all the way up until midnight with myself and football guys Drew Davenport. Um, and I made a lineup, and uh, I had two bears on it because I'm an idiot. So make sure you don't be an idiot, and uh, you make sure that you're only picking one player per team. If you want, you can play in a 30-team contest, a 100-team contest, or you can play in a 10-team contest, a $200 entry fee, and the winner will get a free entry into the 2023 FFPC main event. So you can play for $1 million. Um, you can also enter for as little as $35, too, depending upon the format you want to choose, and you went up to $2,500 cash. I uh, want to remind everybody that we did a, Rotoviz, a special Rotoviz high-stakes lowdown last night with the 40th place team in the uh, Football Guys Players Championship, Eric Sisson. Follow him on Twitter at S-Y-S-Y-N. Uh, you might know him as Mr. Pink Stripes. He was on. We had a good conversation there um, getting you ready for week 11. And this will be the first of two shows on the FFPC YouTube channel and Twitter and Facebook tonight as the road of his high stakes lowdown will go live at 10, 9 central tonight with Rob Abbott, the 11th place team in the FFPC main event. So double dose of shows on Tuesday. You say, Balky, why are you doing all these shows? Um, I am going to be out of town without a good enough video connection for the internet. Uh, all next week. So we're doubling up on shows this week. Hopefully you enjoy it. Remember, if you do enjoy it, remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified. Bring in the co-host with the most right now, ladies and gentlemen, the head honcho, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, 
Farrell Elliott, welcome in. Happy Tuesday, man. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying a little maction while I'm doing the show tonight with Toledo and uh, and Bowling Green. It's been entertaining so far, but not as entertaining as I feel like this show is going to be. Hey, this is going to be a great show because we've got a great guest. And, you know, Balky, you and I on Tuesday, uh, you know, it's sort of fresh because, you know, the week hasn't beaten me down to a pulp that I usually <laughs> am on Friday night. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe this will be good. Tuesday night with Balky. Uh, do you have a score in that Bowling Green action? You're looking at 21-14 Bowling Green with about a minute to go in the first half. It's good that they've decided to score some points. They had a very difficult run last game last week good for them two prospective nfl players on that team on on, on in that game or just on bowling green yeah on bowling green okay all right. i have a scout of the other team got it okay uh i apologize in advance farrell you know i i think i told you i was at that cowboys packers game on sunday at lambo facebook pictures to prove it there you go absolutely i was way too loud my voice it was terrible for my afternoon show today it's probably going to go in and out tonight so if I don't talk as much, it's probably a good thing that we have Jason Khan on because we can all pal around uh, when when he gets on. So I do apologize in my You advances. fueled the comeback, Balky. And, and that's what I said. I said all week, there's no way I'm leaving Lambeau Field without a win. And then sure enough, it took overtime, uh, but they got it done. So very excited about that. And I will tell you, you know, I said probably in the second quarter, third quarter, even when they're down by two touchdowns, this has been one of the most fun Packers games I was ever at. Had a great time. Took an RV to the game that was great too rv and back that just it was a vintage northeast wisconsin <laughs> no question um it, it was um i i don't know if it was a vintage move by the arizona cardinals but certainly a striking one a puzzling one um i i, I haven't been able to shed any light on it but uh the arizona cardinals let you know benjamin go and he gets claimed off waivers by the houston texans now rex burkhead who was damian pierce's backup there was averaging just under six yards a catch. And you remember Eno Benjamin, when he was even when he wasn't playing in place of James Conner, uh, he actually looked pretty explosive, both catching the football and rushing the football. Now, I don't necessarily know if this means Eno Benjamin is all of a sudden the backup there. Rex Burkhead's made a career of people counting him out and then continuing to put up numbers. Um, the Texans get Benjamin. What do we do with them in fantasy, Farrell? Um, is, is he a guy that you want to hang on to if you already had him? Or is the situation there just too cloudy to say he's one injury away from being a guy? Let's see what he does in the passing game. That's been Burkhead's role, but that might be expanded as we move into this part of the season. I like the quarterback skills, and he throws the ball a little more frequently than you would think. Um, he has 300 attempts on the year. So it's a, passing, it's a passing team that can rely on that running back. And, you know, we're rookies. Uh, Pierce has been fantastic, but rookies do sometimes hit the wall. This is a one-and-eight football team. They're building for the future. I like the pieces that are in places. They play better than their record. And if Benjamin, uh, there must have been something in the locker room, in the front office, where they could not come to some sort of uh, coexistence between the players coming back from injury. Uh, it's a whole other story. But what we're here, we're concerned about fantasy football. If you invested in Eno Benjamin, you keep Eno Benjamin to see what might be forthcoming and in case Pierce who's been a workhorse for this team does get banged up does have to miss some time like many running backs are around the league you've got a starter to put in your lineup so there you are um yeah I'm definitely not cutting him in any of the leagues I no. have him in wait, waiting to see what happens there for sure good advice from you um uh Dave Nowitzki who's in the YouTube chat right now he's looking for some good advice 
on the Chargers um, saying he loves the show. Anytime you butter us up with that kind of compliment, oh, yeah. you're going to get your question answered. No question. He wants to know, is Josh Kelly coming back this uh, this year? If you remember, thank you for the question, Dave. If you remember, um, Josh Kelly got placed on injured reserve all, all, all the way back in week six um, when he had a sprained MCL. He cannot come back until after this week at a minimum. Now, I had, I've been bouncing back and forth between Kelly and Michelle all season is essentially as the one injury away type guy uh, for Austin Eckler in, in Los Angeles. But now um, I, I, I don't know if it's worth it at this point to, to try to figure out what, what's going on between Kelly and Michelle, because neither one has been very explosive. And I got to uh, imagine that if he does come back, he's not going to be in the greatest football shape right away. It's probably Michelle's job. And it's only significant if Eckler misses time. I think that it's good to roster these backs that are just one play away uh, from being a significant contributor and being a top 15, top 20 running back. I just don't think there's much fantasy value in mm-hmm. trying to figure it out between Kelly and Sony Michelle Farrell. With Day is a forward thinking player, and I appreciate that. I'd like to know why he's asking that question. He might be asking it from a fantasy, uh, from a, um, um, dynasty perspective but i uh i know the team likes him a great deal and and we previously did kelly and michelle i think it's back around week four and we went mm-hmm. with kelly and kelly got a little more bounce and a little more play um i don't know and this is i'll tell you one thing the training staff um uh, there with the chargers they've earned their salary this year and uh, if they can get kelly back and He's not an explosive runner, but he does everything in the running and the pass catching game well, as well as block. Uh, they love the athlete. They love the, they love the kids. So he's going to get to play um, when he does suit up in that Charger uniform. Um, the other guy to remember um, is Isaiah Spiller, um, and, mm-hmm. and he's been a massive dynasty bus. He's been a massive redraft bus. Farrell, is there anything there? Because I know the Chargers um, put him on the active roster a few weeks ago. He hasn't done much, but is there anything there with Spiller? He's a good special teams player right now, and he's he has not shown much uh, given the limited play that he's got. But we've got to remember, especially now, there's no way for them to develop an alternative running back because everything, moving on the idea of getting 20 touchdowns on par to get 120 receptions is Austin Eckler. He's mm-hmm. a player that they've got to run this offense through because so many of their studs are not available to them. So that you can't really develop the other talents uh, while you have to lean on Eckler the way they're leaning on him. Talent that uh, developed pretty quick um, this past week in Germany was Rashad White when Leonard Fournette went yeah. down. Uh, Greg Allman, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for The Athletic, um, I don't believe this was any sort of reporting on on his, uh, on his part, but he does believe that when uh, the Buccaneers get back to Week 12 football after they take the week off this week with their bye, he thinks Rashad White is is going to be the starter. Now, when it when it comes to uh, how the touches are divvied up, because just because the starter doesn't necessarily mean that that it's it's um, you know a seventy thirty job or anything like that. Almond did say um, it, it's going to come down on on who produces. Now White um, did start in in Week Ten uh, against Seattle. Leonard Fournette went down, but uh, Rashad White crushed it. Twenty two carries, one hundred and five yards. Fournette had the hip injury in the second half, um, but it sounds like he's going to be back after the bye. I, I got to wonder here, Farrell, when, when we look at Fournette and White, neither one of these guys um, do you want to cut right now, but all of a sudden White looks like a potential league winner if he could continue this performance going on and starting again in week 12. 
And, you know, all the fantasy players in the FFPC, the KFFSC, were impressed by this guy and, and expected good returns from him. He was a in the spring leagues. He was a very, very high draft pick and people almost sort of seeded him that job. When I say high draft pick, high for a rookie who we did at that point in time, didn't even know where he had landed. Then after the draft, he uh, people could make a, a case for him. Uh, doing what just exactly what he's doing now and he's been given the chance and and you know it's going to take a lot of players to right the ship for Tampa but he's contributing at a time when the contribution means something they come home they have a buy they're 500 with a quarterback that knows how to win so let's see what happens I really um, wish that I had more opportunities of this player uh, you know on my roster yeah, I, I I knew I drafted him in in a few spots, but I was I was happy that um uh, I was disappointed I didn't have him in more. Um, right. But I do know him. I have I have him in a few, and and I'm and I don't have a, a whole lot of Fournette. In fact, I don't think I've Leonard Fournette anywhere this year. So I'm definitely rooting for Rashad White going forward. I was rooting hardcore for AJ Brown on Monday Night Football last night, and boy was that a big miss. Now Devontae Smith takes advantage of AJ Brown only catching one pass. Hurt his ankle early. He says he's going to be fine for, for the next week. But he gets eight targets, only 39 yards. He does get in the end zone. He catches six of them. Um, mm-hmm. So Devontae Smith, uh, when you look at him, knowing that A.J. Brown has never been the pinnacle of health and knowing that A.J. Brown um, may go into this next week um, when the Eagles are – I have the schedule up here. The Eagles uh, end up going to Indianapolis to play the Colts. Um, knowing that he may not be um, all the way up to speed from that ankle – 32% target share for Devontae Smith. And I feel like you got to find a way to start this guy going forward. We have answered more than a few questions over the last month. Should I start Devontae Smith or this guy? Devontae Smith or this guy? This guy, Devontae Smith. And I think that um, those questions should probably not be asked in week 12 because he's been showing that he's not just A.J. Brown's little brother. He's a fool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we we have to understand also in this team, uh, what's going on at the tight end position? Some discouraging no- mm-hmm. news on Goddard, and that that opens up. Um, if you think that way, I tend not to. I, I but yeah, Smith has been a bit of a mystery, and he runs from sideline to sideline. Better you you had to be surprised after the game when you saw that he thirty nine yards. He catches the ball and he's moving. He's trying to break tackles. He's doing any go. He's 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 always running to nowhere in the passing game. It seems like, but if he gets in the end zone. He's going to give you what you want and, and uh, with enough fantasy points to make him a legitimate start. In Brown's case, uh, I, I don't know if I would ever pull the trigger on A.J. Brown in a draft because, man, do I love the athlete and and I love the love the kid and everything he brings to the, the team. But it, it just uh, – his body just – you don't understand it, but he is just – He's prone to injury in games that affect his level of play and compromise his level of play. He does not have to go to the bench to have his level of play compromised. When he's 100%, there's nothing better. I guess he's a best ball player for me. Yeah, and, and I totally get that. And it makes sense. And, like, you know, A.J. Brown was a guy that um, I ended up with him in a couple of dynasties, like FOMO picks, like, okay, well, I don't really like this guy, but I, I don't want to miss out on him, right? And um, and I, I think a big part of the reason was he was on Tennessee when he was a rookie. And I was like, well, you know, they, they run the ball. Tennessee, the, the Tennessee Titans, the Wisconsin Badgers of professional football were running the ball as a good alternative to running the ball. And I just didn't see an outcome where A.J. Brown would pay off on, on 
uh, on his draft capital. And this year it's been different, obviously, in Philadelphia where they throw the ball a ton. Um, and, and I guess I, I shouldn't say throw the ball a ton. They throw the ball significantly more than Tennessee did. So no. it has been, been paying off. Um, but, you know, these games happen. And, um, you know, certainly the Eagles weren't going to go undefeated this year. And certainly A.J. Brown wasn't going to have – he was going to have at least one clunker. Uh, we have Jason Kahn coming up in the green room right now. He's snacking on some more d'oeuvres, enjoying some of the fine champagne we have back there. Before we get to him, the last thing I want to bring up, Mike Williams could be back. Uh, and uh, Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, saying he will practice this week, according to Daniel Popper's Twitter account. Now, they didn't say how uh, – Staley didn't say how much both he and Keenan Allen would practice if Keenan Allen even practices at all. But if you remember, Mike Williams had the high ankle sprain going back to week seven. And um, uh, Justin Herbert has been dumping off a lot to Gerald Everett uh, over the middle and Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. If Williams is back, um, the question here is for those of us, you know, like me, who have been riding Josh Palmer as a wide receiver three or a flex play, is he going to continue to be flex worthy going forward here? Um, and, and we'll specifically talk about uh, coming up in week, uh, week 11, beg your pardon, when the Los Angeles Chargers are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Haven't looked on the total on that but it's got to be right around 50. Farrell, Palmer still flex-worthy for you this week if Williams comes back? I think so, but I want to look at also what they they intend to do with Carter. Um, as far as the two injured receivers returning, I, when Williams comes back, I have to play Williams. In Keenan Allen's case, I want to see it first. I want to see how much he can stay on the field. I don't think he's played a complete game this season. I think he's played parts of two or three games if I'm right about that. But, you know, he's been missed. This is the year to avoid him in the drafts. And, you know, you get hurt any time. But, man, um, he's going to have a hard time being the receiver he's been with his body compromised like it has been. Now, he's a great presence moving forward. I think as, as we get closer to the NFL playoffs and get closer to the end of the season, I would feel more comfortable with Keenan Allen because that's when I expect a player like that to rise above all these nagging injuries and shine. But I don't know at this point in the season that early coming in is, is what I want to do with him. So, yeah, Palmer and Carter have developed a click, have, have, are beginning to click and have developed that old aspect of momentum with the quarterback. And they uh, once it's developed, it's not something that you just hide on the bench. So, uh, maybe perhaps in this case, more weapons is good for everyone, but I can't wait for Williams to get back. Yeah, you and me both. And and I think um, the other thing that might make it easier to to heed your advice and sit Keenan Allen this week, um, if he is questionable, if he is a game-time decision, that's an 8-20 kickoff for the Sunday night mm. football game for the Chiefs and Chargers. Keenan Allen may not be worth waiting around on, um, but a guy who always is worth waiting around on uh who's been waiting on us actually so that's, that's totally true uh we'll bring in tonight's guest ladies and gentlemen it's his 18th year of playing uh really? high stakes fantasy football he is the winner of course of the 2009 uh world championship of fantasy football title the three hundred thousand dollar winner of that he is the current leader in the 2022 kentucky fantasy football state championship main event Farrell, remind me i know jason khan has at least one runner-up finish in the in the main event overall has he ever won the whole thing Jason Kahn has not won the whole thing, but he has flirted with it. And there have been so many trophies 
And yes. We've, we've gone to Crown Trophy, our trophy supplier here in Louisville, and they know everything about Jason Kahn. They want to know how many trophies are going to be meted out with his name on it. Uh, they look for Jason Kahn. Jason Kahn is kind of famous down in these parts. I, I do have to um, remind everybody, if, if you've been reading the news, the reason that Lake Erie is flowing into Cleveland is because of all those trophies weighing the land yep. down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's been a, it's been a flow of water in there. You can play him our guest tonight for, it. you know, him as team shocker. We know him as Jason Khan. Welcome back to the high stakes fantasy football hour. Jason. <laughs> there Khan. he is. You guys, What's up, man? you guys are too kind. Fantastic. <laughs> Look at it. Jay Khan, two one six. The, the, uh, the KFFSC sex civil feral, as you pointed yes, out. Yes, he is. You know, part, commissioner duties in the KFFSC are, are, you know, they're very, very wide. And sometimes, you know, I, I have to counsel the single girls and see that they're dating and see if they're doing the right things. They'll have a date. They'll have a little social event. They'll they'll get something going on. And I'll say, how did it go? And, you know, they'll be somewhat tepid in their response. And I'll finally drag out of them. Well, he's just not my type. And I'll say, what's wrong with him? Can you Can you sum it up for me? Well, he's nothing like Jason Kahn. I get that. I get that from these girls. There's nothing about him like Jason Kahn. So Jason Kahn is, you know, there's just magic going on there, man. I'd like to be him for just one day. Oh, well, you you only get me in Kentucky when I'm just like flowing with overflow of fun. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I've, I've seen you in other venues. I've seen you in other venues. You have a reputation. And you also have social media, so don't don't try to wiggle off the hook. You are Jason Khan everywhere you are. Yeah, and I have a, I have a, a top two and a top five finish in the KFFC. And there you go. So yeah, yeah, I know I knew you were runner up one yeah. year. What year was that? Was that twenty uh, eleven? Justin got me. I don't know what year it was, okay. but twenty eleven uh, was Justin McCord Championship. Okay. Yeah, yeah when that was here. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So so interestingly enough, um, you are in first place. Um, with your um, Shocker Bourbon Turn team. This was the, the draft at 7.30 a.m. Sunday morning that I almost slept through. Thank you for the phone call, Farrell. Um, and, and I feel like um, I must have been half asleep uh, still in this draft because, <laughs> as well as our my fellow league owners, because you guys got Justin Jefferson, number one receiver. You got Travis Kelsey, the number one tight end. And still somehow Nick Chubb fell to you. I mean, when you and Aaron were doing this draft, and 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 was Dorsey a part of this too? I think he yeah, was, Dor- right? yeah, Dorsey was there too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, see, I, I was still half asleep. I couldn't. I only saw two people. Yeah. Um, were those guys just automatic selections for you in the first three rounds? I mean, how much conversation did you have when those guys were staring you in the face in the first three rounds? Yeah. Well, first off, draft at seven thirty in the morning, serving bourbon, advantage team soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew I was going to be drafting at a handicap for sure. The, the field conditions favor Shocker at that point in time. This was no, but, uh, but but actually, this was the fourth and final draft for us. So we wanted to like kind of spread the wealth. We we got a CMAC team. Unfortunately, we had two uh, uh, Jamar Chase teams, but we knew we wanted a Justin Jefferson team, and he had been going at one here and there. So we we bid a hundred bucks and got one and and took Justin Jefferson. But it was solely because we wanted you know a different look. Uh, at the team, um, we knew we wanted a, a, a top flight tight end, and luckily Kelsey fell to us because I was all about Pitts in the third, and that has, that has dive bombed so many of my teams this year. Uh, and I, I I would have bet my life they would have had over a hundred hundred catches this year, and it just hasn't happened. And 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 I think the um, the thing for me that's been so disappointing. I brought this up many times on this show. He's got a tight ends coach as his head coach. 
Um, he is he is a a unicorn at the position, and uh, a a player that the team has sunk so much draft capital on. Um, and just for whatever reason, he's had like what two good games, maybe three good games. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things. Is like you know, you ask anybody in the business, nobody can explain it. Nobody knows why this is. And um, Atlanta, maybe it was just a whole like we're just going to pound the ball with our 15 running backs that we have. We're going to control the clock. Um, and we're not going to let Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts get into this garbage time stuff when they normally should be catching a lot of passes. It just hasn't happened. And I was thankful, Jason. I don't, I don't know if, if this has been the case for you, but in regards to Kyle Pitts, I, I had a price I was willing to pay. And oftentimes there's somebody else in my draft willing to pay a higher price for draft capital. Yeah. And I missed out on him a lot of that, a lot of ways too. I know you have him in a lot of spots, but certainly you, you could have had, probably had him in more. Ton. I could have had ton. Like, like the three, four turn, I was all about like going tight end early. If I missed on, you know, Kelsey or Andrews, those are my top two. And, you know, I don't I have no, no real Andrews weirdly, but tons of Kelsey and a lot of my good teams are Kelsey, but I was, I was no qualms about taking pits earlier than, than I should have. And, yeah, obviously did not pan out. And the, the pits owners are just hanging on to any piece of information they can get, any glimmer of possibility. Mariota was quoted last week as saying, well, maybe I should take a few more chances hitting that player, hitting that big target in the middle of the field. And you think, oh, that's what they're all talking about down there. And then you see the, the standard two reception game for what is a player that we thought would redefine the position. Um the player, Mr. Jason Kahn, has redefined the possession, slot, explosives, touchdown-making wide receiver position has been Cooper Cup. He came in the league as a third-round draft pick, and uh, people jumped on it quickly, and they've always been rewarded by Cooper Cup. And even this year, Cooper Cup, while the Rams seem to can't get out of their own way this season, uh, Cup was on his way to another fine year until this game. And uh, now we've lost him for the for the rest of the season. You have rostered one of my all time favorite players that I just got tired. I just lost patience with because I've been with him for so long. It's Van mm -hmm. Jefferson. I think Jefferson is an excellent player. Now he gets a chance to prove it. Will he? If we get a healthy Stafford back, will he prove it? And is he a player that you would utilize going forward uh, in, in the KFFSC? in the FFPC, wherever you play fantasy football. Yeah, like, like you. I mean, I've, I've loved him. I'm like, I, I don't think there's a single player I've ever drafted, cut, picked back up, cut, and picked back up again over the last three years than Van Jefferson because I, I loved him out of college. He was, he was older. He, he was the best route runner, great hands. I mean, he was Cooper Cup, you know, on some level. And then he went to the Rams, and you were just like, Oh my God, that's the worst landing spot. Uh, but you still got him, and he just hasn't had the opportunity. So you just you hope this is his opportunity. And and I'm a huge fan guy like you, so I I I do like him. Maybe it's not smart to like start him week one, but I mean, there's injuries and there's buys, and you know people got to do what they got to do. I I like you have drafted him and maybe unintelligently held on to him. For this entire time, except for like maybe one or two leagues, I, I had to drop him. But he gets the touchdown last week, so you're feeling a little bit better about it. And now with Cooper Cup, the opportunity is there. So if he can't do it now, um, I, I don't you know, know what faith I have for him doing it the rest of the season when and if Cooper Cup does come back. We do have somebody in the uh, YouTube chat right now. Liam Backus uh, just made a trade in his league. 
He got rid of Deontay Foreman and Joshua Palmer. In exchange, he gets Chris Godwin coming back. He wants to know if he won or lost the trade. Godwin on by this week. Foreman gets his buy coming up in week 13. No buys in week 12. Thank you, NFL. And then they resume in week 13 and 14. Appreciate that. Um, so I don't really uh, – I, I, I guess the – the easy answer here, guys, I always want to get the best player in the deal. And I think Chris Godwin is the best player in the deal here. Um, Josh Palmer is fine, but Williams, as we just talked about, could be back this week. Uh, Keenan Allen could be coming back shortly as well. And if that's the case, then that relegates Palmer to the wide receiver three on his team and probably the fifth option behind Gerald Everett and Austin Eckler as well. Godwin is, is the number two option in Tampa, even with the rise of Kate Otten. And, you know, Foreman has been good. He's been very good, but I see a lot of negative game scripts coming his way too. Now, he's been able to buck the trend on those so far. I just don't know if it's sustainable. I think he gets the win. I'd rather have the Godwin side of the deal. Jason, how would you feel about this? I agree. I, I, I like the Godwin uh, side as well. But if you need a running back, mm. you know, it's, it's all about your roster, your but, league. And, you know, if you had to have a, a running back and that's all, you know, that's it and you had a plethora of of wide receivers and i could see doing this deal but i i don't think palmer at this point without further williams and keenan injuries is he's not startable he's just not i uh yeah i think liam must have rolled out of bed early and watched the game from germany on a sunday <laughs> because if you, you see godman play that game uh you you want he's to back be, he's back baby he's back <laughs> you, you want to be a visit you know a popular player amongst the rookie class that is somewhat forgotten we talked a lot about rookies and, and and you know i i kind of love the guy's name uh even even without looking at the player jameson williams it's 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 right up con's alley it's a it's a combination of irish whiskey and bourbon all in the same name it's, it's, it's fantastic and then speaking about that 730 bourbon term for people that are un, uh, uninitiated the kffc that league came out uh came about because drafters said, you know, we're here for the whole weekend and we want to draft for the whole weekend. I said, okay, you guys want a 7.30 a.m. draft? I'll put it up there. And, you know, naturally it's not going to sell. And, you know, I go back a few days later and it's gone. It's off the board. And it's one of the first ones to sell. And it's it's a blast that our, uh, amongst our 672 teams, that you guys came out of that. The least likely trio, we must mention uh, Aaron Laser. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I love Jeff Dorsey, the least likely trio to show up at the crack of dawn and do anything. Uh, but, you know, Jamison Williams, let's talk about him as a football player. Let's talk about where he is and how he would fit in for the remainder of the season. Any reason keeping this player on your roster or going to get him if you don't have it? Uh, I mean, I mean, if you don't have him, I think he's worth a roster spot. Um I think if you've kept him this long, how are you going to give up on him? Mm-hmm. Um, I loved him out of college. He, you know, took the year off with COVID. So I think he was kind of under the radar, but, you know, at LSU, he was, he was a monster with some very good wide receivers there. And you just fall in love with the talent. And maybe that's a fault of mine for like drafting hurt players. And then they never, ever, ever play. Mm-hmm. And Detroit just decides to shut them down because they got nothing going on this year, which is a, a possibility, but, you're just, you're the lure. It's like a siren. Like, you know, you just, you, you see that productivity in, in college and you think it can happen in the pros. So it's probably stupid, but if you have the, if you have the depth or, or open roster space and your, your roster is good, I, I, I don't see any reason why not to hold on to a player like that. 
Um, he should be back within the next couple of weeks unless, you know, Detroit decides not to, not to play him. But that's how I feel. I mean, he's a talent. I mean, I think he's, I think he's arguably the top rookie wide receiver coming out of this draft class. And he wow. was just hurt. That says a lot. And, and well, I mean, think about that too. If he wouldn't have torn the ACL, he probably would have been the first receiver off the board mm-hmm. in, in maybe the NFL and in dynasty drafts for KFFSC and FFPC uh, for sure. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, uh, I, let's talk about week 11 here. Um, you guys have some bye week issues, and I, I can't remember who it was, but I think it's Tyler Lockett, and I Kirk. want to say. And Kirk, yeah. And Christian Kirk, that's who it was. Yeah. So now, right now, you have Terrace Marshall in there. And I know KFFSC is in tight end premium, but Hayden Hurst has been catching a, a, a lot of balls this lot year, balls, even, even with the presence of, you know, for Jamar Chase for a while, but then still Higgins and, and Boyd. So is has there been any discussion between you and Aaron and, and Dorsey that, that you would potentially um, move in Hayden Hurst as your flex instead of Terrace Marshall. Yeah. I mean, the weakest early, like kind of my, my ritual is like, I kind of go in like Tuesday um, and I just get guys out on buys guys that are hurt. I, I structure the one o'clock games down to four Sunday, Monday nighters, throw them in my flex um, and do stuff like that. So I, I do like Terrence Marshall's usage. I think it's stepping up. I mean, I think he's, I think he's coming around. It's probably a little too early to trust him. Hayden Hurst has a ton more targets than, than Marshall has so far, but uh, Marshall is big play. Any play could, could, could go yard. And I think with a 30 point lead right now, we probably will go a little more conservative because I don't think mm-hmm. we need to like do anything risky. You know, if you're going to play it cool. So playing it cool is Jason's Khan's way of doing things, Balky. And what is hidden within the answer of that question is that if he played Terrence Marshall, he would then be invested somewhat in the newest quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, who previously was employed by a certain Cleveland Brown club that, um, that that he just might not. There's a lot. Still, waters run deep. Uh, yeah. Uh, team and, shop. And we are starting Dante Foreman. So, do we really want to be this invested in the Carolina offense? <laughs> <laughs> it's another valid point. It's another valid point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, I gotta get. I gotta get back to it. Balky, keep commenting because I gotta get back to my question. Yeah, I was actually because we in a group chat beforehand. Um, we had shared the. Um, the bourbon turn photos, the original, the OG bourbon turn, and then the bourbon turn in 2022. And I'm trying to get them to pop up on the on the streamcast or on the stream yard right now, and I can't do it. But originally, for the uninitiated, as Farrell was saying, um, when we were drafting, I believe in the 10 o'clock a.m. Saturday draft, Jason, right? Uh, yeah. In, 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 okay. So we were structured um, on one side of the table, like the the 12 through nine or like 11 through eight picks, and it was myself, you. Um, Travis Cox and and I I believe Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson Jimmy Johnson yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so we walked over at the first break after eight rounds or whatever and uh, well we're in Kentucky how about bourbon and so we end up we all do a shot of bourbon and then the next round we did a shot of yes, bourbon sir. and then or not the next round the next break we break, did and, yeah. then, and then after I think it was um, the next round actually it could have been the next that's uh, listen it's a little fuzzy it was a little fuzzy after a while. But then after the draft, we did it as well. I'm like, wow, we should do this every year, the bourbon turn draft. The and bourbon then, turn. And, and, the th- and, and I applaud Farrell because I'm like, I always said, like, I, when I'm there, 
like this is my only weekend of drafting I, I get you know keep it going mm-hmm. so so schedule something like early see if it sells out feels like it's never going to sell out and then all the dgens like yep there it is right there there it is you can see <laughs> the little picture yep there's jason myself, jimmy and then travis cox right at the end really good <laughs> right at the bar too by the way um, really so, good Chris. so so then it starts at 7 30 in the morning and of course you got to throw and and the the food with great those great breakfast burritos this year which was fantastic it's perfect it's, it's literally so perfect, perfect. It's, it's like literally perfect it's so fun and yeah we- such a good time with it and yeah, it, makes it, me feel it was a joke three years ago and now it's a good thing now, now it's a legend it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it is a legend it is a legend the guys that originally made it happen uh, may have the trophies this year from it Bob. yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and i now have a sponsorship yeah and bow you really do need an agent. You you yeah. really do need an agent. You don't want to hire mine if you want to be on Rotoviz. Uh, my, my agent's not going to help you out. But you need. We need to get you an agent. Balky, what's going on in the Chicago backfield? Um, well, the thing is, Khalil Herbert just got placed on IR today. In fact, when we were texting back and forth, it just happened. Now, at this point, when when you look at um, uh, David Montgomery and Justin Fields and and what Herbert was doing there, Jason. There's been a heavy emphasis on running the football there. And, and I feel like, you know, we we're talking about messing around with Josh Kelly and Sony Michelle earlier. Maybe the guy you should be messing around with is, is Tristan Ebner this week on, on the waiver wire. How significant uh, of bids are you going to, yeah, maybe not in the bourbon turn, but in, in, in some of your other leagues, Jason, how significant of, of waiver wire money uh, are you going to be investing in to get Ebner on your squad? We all know who the best running back in Chicago is. His name is Justin Fields. <laughs> From B, Ohio State B, University. Ohio State University. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's bonkers. I, I mean, I, I do. It makes me like Montgomery that much more. I mean, I, he was really good last year because of usage, and I think that usage goes back. And I, I, I don't know that they're ready to trust Ebner quite yet. And. I, I know Montgomery's a capable catcher when given the opportunity. Khalil Herbert was better, um, but he's out of the picture right now. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's the offense is blossoming. I, I think it's Montgomery's time to shine. He's had a kind of ho-hum year. I mean, so that, that's right. I think about that. You know, you're not the only Cleveland Browns fan that, that comes. You're the most boisterous, and you are the straw that stirs the drink amongst uh, – Amongst the ingredients in your drink, we haven't mentioned Colin Malloy. We haven't mentioned Eddie O, who brought me a Cleveland Browns T-shirt years ago. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Joe Dorsey, who we miss, but he sends his brother in his stead. Yeah. Uh, John Anderson, one of, the, one of the greatest fans, guy in the 70s, hadn't missed a game. Uh, it, and and Balky, it, it's but all those guys, you don't want to ask them like on this show, on our show, you you don't want to ask them about Cleveland Browns player. If you really want to ask them and get the real scoop on how they feel about something, you go east and you 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 ask them. And I guess the way to ask the question was be the contemptuous and odious team known as the Pittsburgh Steelers and all their <laughs> nefarious ways and their their Steeler Nation and their their terrible towels and their terrible ways of treating players have taken another Alabama player, brought him into the league, 
blossomed him into a wonderful fantasy player, which turned him into a first-round draft pick. And, you know, when people drafted Najee Harris in the first round, everybody shakes their head and says, yeah, that's, that's a good pick. And look what they've done to a running back with some of the best – acceleration, cutback skills, great hands. She proved it all last year when they had nothing to offer on offense. He led them, and now he plays in the NFL without catching any balls. This would never happen to a running back in Cleveland, would it, if you had this kind of guy? What are you doing with Harris now if he is on your roster? He was in a flex position for me last week. And, you know, they got down around the goal line, and, and it was a perfect second and one, and, it, it was some jet sweep quarterback sneak because it was something that didn't involve Harris. And, you know, there's just a lot of things that don't involve Harris. What What is what, what are your rosters doing with Harris, considering that, that you suspended your animus towards the Steelers and decided to take Harris on one of your rosters? Yeah, well, I, I, I felt lucky I got Harris in the second round after taking Jamar Chase in the first in the FFPC. I, I thought I was dancing. I was like, well, way, I, just got, I just got two first round picks. Meanwhile, I got two guys. I don't really one I can't start and one I don't want to start. Um, I'm like a ride or die kind of guy. Like I will like just I will I will continue to start people that I drafted high. Um, but the reason you like Najee Harris wasn't because he was efficient. The offensive line sucked. The offensive kind of blew. But it was his usage, and it was the percent is, is what he got. And if he was getting all those touches, he was going to be productive. It's the same reason I think that's what Montgomery could be uh, in Chicago. And and now you got Jalen Warren coming on, and you know Najee's not getting the usage, and you know three point three or whatever the carries he, you know yards per carry he has, that's not going to cut it if you're not getting all you know eighty ninety percent of the touches. You know, you know, Balky, you're a married man, and you did you probably didn't pay any attention to that, but that comment, I'm a ride or die guy, that might be why the girl I, I wrote that down. I'm gonna use okay. Ride or I'm die. Gonna, ride or die. That's yep. gone. Man, let's go with that. Um, you know what's interesting is Mike Tomlin went out of his way to bring up in his press conference that Najee Harris is dealing with knee discomfort, but he mm. says it's a non-issue. From so sitting the, on the bench well, is his oh, knees. <laughs> the thing is, I think that's so interesting is, is if it's a non-issue, why are you bringing it up? I'm not <laughs> conveniently trying to cover for this guy, just yeah. not being very good at football this year. And I know the offensive yeah. line is something to well, be playing. He, well, he, I mean, the offensive line, for one thing, he did have the foot thing in the preseason. That's and true. Maybe, that, maybe that's just nagging and he's not talking about it. You know, no one wants to be like – Hey, this is why, you know, they just want to grunt it out and they want to be a warrior. Uh, you know, you can't blame him, but he's not, he's not right. He looks to me like he's moving fine and he's still got hands that can catch a ball. That's all. I'm saying. Yeah. Not that, that I want to bring this name up, Jason, but I've heard this from more than a few people now. Najee Harris is Trent Richardson 2.0. Oh, <laughs> oh. I loved. I, I was so mad when Browns traded <laughs> Trent Richardson to the Colts. Yeah, like I, I literally. I I wish you would have told me you were going to say this because I, <laughs> I didn't I, think of it till now. <laughs> do you have, Do you have 15 seconds? Because I could run up yeah. and get this. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah, I, I made a shirt about how I felt about the Browns. This was like literally the the, the day that they 
traded Trent Richards away because I was like, you're, you're giving up on the season. Like, he's a stud. 15 seconds. You, sir, are on the yeah. clock. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got to hit the second the floor. Club. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so just, what he I'm can do it. Do know you know can. once he drafted two teams at once in the KFSC and he ran across the room to draft them? He would um, run from one table to the other. And, and, he, and he did a pretty good job. He did. He did. He did. One of, the, one of his aforementioned uh, lieutenants was not available that day. Um, and, uh, you know. So I'm trying to find this right now. Was it, it was a first round pick, right? That that the Browns got for Trent Richardson. Oh my goodness, buddy! I can't remember. I I found my way home tonight. That's what I'm trying to realize. That, okay. All right. So so I'm looking it up right now because I remember that deal, and I remember there's a lot of um, people that were very excited about Trent Richardson after the trade went down. Um, that like, like this was going to be the rebirth of his career. Yeah. This. Okay. So this is what it was. This is back in 2013. <laughs> and, and, um, <clears throat> Trent Richardson was <laughs> traded for a, for, oh my goodness. <laughs> so it's Brown. It's you Brown's made color. this? It's Brown. It's Brown's colors. It's like, you can't tell, but it's like drippy, drippy font. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I got it. I got yeah, it. So so that's that's how I felt about the Browns. Because like, how are you giving up? Like, why would you trade your best player, yeah, yeah. a stud running back? Little did I know he sucked. Right. But um, all right. So the other thing I'm gonna look up. So it was it was, and I know we're going down the the Trent Richardson rabbit hole. And I, <laughs> I didn't expect this to happen, but but um, so Trent Richardson was indeed traded for a first round pick. Now what I'm looking at, I believe the pick ended up being the 26th pick. Corey Coleman or something? No, like it looks like they traded it again. The Browns traded <laughs> it again. And it, and it looks like the Eagles ended up with that pick. And Farrell, I, I, again, I, I want to I, – I could be wrong on this, but from what I'm looking at, it looks like they drafted Marcus Smith, a linebacker, from the University of Louisville. Uh -huh. Yes. So I think that's how it went down. I could be wrong, but I think that's how it went down. Yeah, the Browns are moving so many picks then and accumulating them and then blowing them. Like, why blow one when you can blow three? Yeah, And you would have to dig in if you want to keep going down that rabbit hole, Bonky. I think Trent Richardson at one time or another ended up with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and it was a short-lived experience. He did. He did. He yeah, you know, and, and it's, uh, yeah, yeah not, not good stuff. Um, better things for Najee Harris. All right, hold on. I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this right now. <laughs> I, I have to get the button on this conversation. <laughs> so hold on. So, so here's what happened, guys. Um, Cleveland had the pick at 26. They traded up to the 22nd spot in the 2014 draft from the 26th pick with Philadelphia. And who did they end up taking at the 20, uh, at 22 in the 2014 draft? None Kaiser? Other than Texas A&M zone. Johnny Manziel. Mm. That's how that we went from Trent Richardson to Johnny Manziel. Unbelievable. Oh Unbelievable. I had to get the last word. Is there an organization worse than the Browns? I, there's got to be some. I, mean, I don't know. What about I the Jaguars? Know. What about the Jaguars? What Dude, have they, they done? I, they might not have done anything, but they're at least like positive. Like We've given up all our picks at this point. I, I remember I thought things were, were I thought things were turning around when they had Dorsey in there with uh, and they made the Beckham trade. I'm like, okay, here we go, Cleveland football. It's all happening, mm -hmm. and and then it's just for whatever reason it didn't materialize. Anyway, it's a, it's a roller coaster. 
All right, so an organization that certainly has had a less than stellar season so far has been the Denver Broncos. Um, they're still wheeling and dealing, trying to make things happen. Um, you have Chase Edmonds on your first place roster. I have not cut him anywhere yet. He's now on Denver. Melvin Gordon is there. Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray's there. Jason, are you still hanging on to Edmonds? Because I think he's probably the most valuable pass catcher out of those three. But is he going to be fantasy worthy on on your roster down the stretch? Yeah, it's it's hard to know. I mean, like I I thought he was a, kind of a steal in the seventh or eighth round um, when you were taking him, and you know they 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 brought him in. You thought to be the guy, and then they continued to bring in running backs and. Um, and then you're, you were close to maybe wanting to cut on, cut him or move on from him. And then he gets moved to Denver and you're like, Oh, new home. And th those are just guys. I mean, I mean, Melvin, I think is entrenched as a starter, but I think any hot hand there could, you know, end up being the guy. So yeah, he's worth holding on and you, you know, you can't really start him. and yeah, he does have the pass catching, but Melvin does as well. Um, but it just takes an injury or. Um, them to decide to, to go a different direction. So there's three guys that I think are pretty equal there in Denver. Man, we know where the hot hand was in Green Bay this uh, this weekend. With uh, and it's a perfect example why when a player makes a mistake early on or drops a ball or you know go back to him, keep going back to him if he gets well. What what a game! What a game by Watson. And now Green Bay Packers. Now that what a game. All Balky's old pals like Cobb are coming back. Who else, Balky? Who else from the list? Well, I mean, Randall Cobb, we, we're hoping we'll be back this week. Romeo Dobbs is probably no, Dobbs not ready to come back yet. But, no? but yeah, I mean, Thursday night football against Tennessee this week, the Packers could trot out a, a, a top three receiving trio of Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, and, and Randall Cobb, which would be pretty good. Now let's yeah. talk about the tight end position, though, because, you know, forever linked, Ertz and Goddard, both of them have problems physically here. Now Ertz out for the season. I don't know about Goddard on the same weekend. And those guys were the sort of the, the premium picks of the second tier, so to speak. And, and, and Tanyan was just a little lost in this. But he's finally, uh, you know, I see reason for hope. Uh, mm -hmm. with this player. And, and I think he can make a difference, especially down uh, where we're going to go with the FFPC. Uh, Jason, your thoughts on Tanyan? I don't have him rostered anywhere, and I'm not really that familiar. But nevertheless, he, he flashes some things that I think could help Rodgers out as we get into these cold-weather games. Uh, you you have this player? Do you like this player? Uh, he flashed last year. I liked him a lot. He obviously got hurt. Um the reason I have a bunch of them this year is because you didn't know who to trust out of the wide receivers in, in Green Bay. The injuries, the rookies, Devontae Adams leaving. So uh, you thought he might be a studying force for, for Rodgers. Like he does like people he trusts. Um, I, I think you can roster him now. I mean, the tight end is such a, a – a, a, I mean, it's literally a dumpster fire as a position. So you could do worse than Tanya, but he's hard to start right now. But I, I do have him roster places. Speaking of dumpster fires, uh, in, yeah. in the tight end are, we, are we back to the Browns again? No, 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 no. We're just, we're, the FFPC will turn the, the lights off on this show if we expend any more energy talking about Trent Richardson and the Browns. Um, which, by the way, I don't know if you guys saw the chat. I'll throw it back up. Jack Colshead, former guest of this show. Tune in to the HSFR for all the latest news and notes. Like the Trent Richardson trade fallout, I'm here for it. <laughs>
Thank you, Jack. We appreciate it. Knowing your history is a great part of football. That's yeah. awesome. That's so uh, awesome. <laughs> so, so the, the issue now, now, and Farrell, I think you're right. Dallas Goddard's not going to miss the rest of the season, at least for what we know right now, but he will miss significant time. Good. I'm going to read off these names. Uh, Jack Stoll, Tyree Jackson, and Grant Calcaterra. Um, if you've never heard of them like I am, you are a normal, warm-blooded American male. Because outside of Philadelphia, I don't know if anybody else has heard of these guys. In the wake of Goddard's injury, Jason, are any of these guys worth your time in a tight end premium format like football guys or the FFPC? Or are you trying to, if you have Goddard, are you trying to fill the position on a different squad? I think you're just grasping at straws at this point. I mean, the only person I've heard out there is Stoll, barely. Uh, the other two guys I've never heard of in my life. Um but like the tight end position, like after the top three or four, like no one's scoring 10 points. So you're just lucky. You're trying to luck out on a touchdown. So, I mean, it's, you're just grasping for straws and yeah, it's worth a dart. You can take darts, Moreau, Trey McBride. You can, I mean, there's all kinds of guys that you can take stabs at. Maybe it's one of these Philly guys, maybe a Detroit guy, you know, comes out, but I mean, the position's a disaster. I mean, it's, I mean, the next year's drafts are going to be super interesting because mm. quarterbacks, I mean, quarterbacks and elite quarterback play, you didn't have to take one early, but you had to have an elite quarterback play and you had to have a, an elite tight end. If you're doing anything this year. I tell yeah. you who knows uh, who Jack Stoll is. That would, that? Be, uh, that would be one uh, Chad Schroeder because uh, Jack's a Nebraska corn husker. Oh. Mm. Uh, Schroeder's keyed into that right now. He's nice. He probably he probably picked him up two weeks ago. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that dude's insane. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> um, Farrell, I think we are going to have to move past emails, and you have one final question for Mr. Khan tonight. Past emails means that Jason Khan, we rely on you to give us the breakthrough sleeper of the week. Uh, you can't use a name we've already talked about tonight. Then I want you to tell us who's going to continue in the spirit of Najee Harris and Trent Richardson. <laughs> disappoint us for one bust. So I need a sleeper and a bust. Okay. I don't know if it's sleeper. Bust. Well, now that's what you need to know because that's what we need to sleep. Well, I'm going to say like good play, bad play. There's two feet of snow predicted for the Buffalo oh, yeah. Browns game in Buffalo. So I would fade the. I mean, you might want to, if you have better options or slightly uh, okay options, like Josh Allen, do you want to be starting him in two feet of snow? I mean, I, last week with the elbow, I started fields over Allen. I know that was pretty close, but it, but it was the right call, obviously. Yeah. Um, Let me give you the definition of a sleeper again. God. This is a player that no one else knows really to start. Yeah, start. start. Jason Kahn knows who this yeah, player is. I, I'm saying, I'm saying, look hard at all aspects of the the Buffalo running game because of the snow, oh. and maybe Dawson Knox. I mean, not a sleeper, but you know, hey, the short passing game. I don't know if Gable Davis, you know, with the long passes. I don't, I don't know what Diggs maybe may do, uh, and I don't know what Josh Allen may do. But it, I it think may be he'll get the snow off the field. And I always love a snow. You know who? You know who hates snowy fields? The defensive back. The receiver knows where yeah. he's going. And the defensive back, you know, he's he's slip sliding away, so to speak. So yeah. I don't know, Jason. Yeah. Last time I made this call, there was like that. Uh, well, I guess it was New England with Tom Brady in the snow, and he threw like five, six touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if it's snowing and if there's wind, and you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, two feet of snow. I mean, that doesn't happen overnight, and it hasn't happened no. yet. 
So well, man, well, it and, does in Buffalo. And, and and bear in mind too, as, as long as talking about Gabe Davis here, outside of last week, um, Gabe Davis never had more than four catches once this season. Now he got six for ninety-three against Minnesota, but outside of that, you're looking at four. Uh, beg your pardon, three three catch games, two two catch games, a four catch game on uh, in in Las Vegas or not in Las Vegas. We're watching the game in Las Vegas when the Rams and Bills played, and then and then um, and then a one catch game against the Ravens. So even without the snow, he hasn't been lighting the world on fire too. So that's something to keep in mind with with Gabe Davis. So I appreciate like, here's the thing. I don't know if I would have brought that up on any other show this week. So I'm glad you bring it up right now, because certainly that's something that we will need to be talking about on Sunday morning. Yeah. Cause people sleep on it. They do. Mm -hmm. Like I've lost kickers to it and you know, it does happen. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, what about um, – okay, so is that the bus then for you? Yeah, the bus side's in there too. Okay, all right. So, yeah, then I guess I guess, I guess you nailed it all in one game. It's why you won $300,000 in the WCOP. It's why you're leading the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. And, um, and there's not a whole lot of people that I've ever had on this show that we could help steer into a Trent Richardson conversation <laughs> and, and, and have a um, – mid-show wardrobe change, which I think is a first, which was awesome. And we, we talked about Manziel and Mayfield. Oh, yeah. Back to the hate. And if you want to spend time with Jason Kahn and the crew, Balky, there's no better place to do it. You don't have to wait till August. They've already committed to the Super Bowl draft and party right. in, in KFFSC, uh, February uh, 11th and 12th, I believe it is this year. That, that so, you know, awesome. everybody should come and, and spend time with Jason Cohn. Got to watch my Browns. Get yeah, some chips. <laughs> Ride or die is the Browns Packers, Browns Packers Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah I, we can all dream. We can all dream. Um, all right, Jason, I'm going to let you go into that good night. We will continue following you on Twitter at jcon 216 And uh, good luck the rest of the way, man. If, if I can't win Kentucky coming out of the, the sunrise at the bourbon term, I certainly hope you can coming out of that league of which you are sitting in the crow's nest above everybody else in the KFFSC right now. Congrats and good luck the rest of the way, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You got it. Jason Kahn, ladies and gentlemen, the 2009 WCOF $300,000 champion and leading the 2022 KFFSC main event with uh, his co-managers, Aaron Laser and Jeff Dorsey. Wow, what an interview, Farrell. Yeah, he's a great guy. I just loved, loved catching up with him every time. Um, I would normally say, hey, let's go overtime here, but uh, the road of his high-stakes lowdown starts in about a yeah. half hour with myself and Rob Abbott. So and I you have no voice. And, and you have no and voice. And I have no voice already. Yeah, this is going on uh, way, way too much radio today. Um, Farrell, uh, thank you so much for accommodating me this week and, mm -hmm. and my vacation next week. So thanks for doing the show on Tuesday. We will do this again on Friday um, with uh, Rob Sussman, who I will talk about in a second here. But thank you so much. Enjoy your Tuesday and enjoy that Maction going on on ESPN right now. Maction is on. I'll go watch it. Right. Absolutely. Farrell, thank you so much, dude. <laughs> Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the KFFSC uh, commissioner of proceedings there and the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Thanks to him. Thanks to Jason Kahn, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you. Uh, like I said, we're back this Friday on the high stakes fantasy football hour with the 17th place uh, team owner in the football guys players championship. Rob Sussman will join us at 10, nine central um, right here. Don't go anywhere. In fact, go get a beverage, uh, check, check out the action going on, whatever you got to do, put the kids to bed. Uh, we're going to be back live right on this same YouTube channel in a half hour. It's be myself 
and uh, and Rob Abbott, the 11th place team owner in the FFPC main event. Um, and don't forget, we did a special episode of the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown last night with the 40th place owner in the Football Guys Players Championship, Eric Sisson. So you can check that out right here. Uh, on the FFPC YouTube channel or rotaviz.com slash podcast. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network goes live tomorrow from 10 until midnight on the Better Sports Network app, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube as well. Yours truly and Football Guys uh, lawyer to the stars, Drew Davenport, will join me on the program tomorrow. Hopefully he likes talking because I got a feeling my voice is not going to be great. Uh, don't forget to play the FFPC weekly playoff, uh, pl- uh, weekly playoff challenge, weekly challenge, one player per NFL team. You could play with or without defenses and kickers. Um, and if you want to get in the 10 team contest, $200, you win that you win a 2023 FFPC main event free entry. Don't uh, miss out on that. If you don't want to play for that, you can also play for 30, uh, enter for $35. You can play in a 30 team format, a hundred team format there as well. That's all at myffpc.com. Don't forget to like, Subscribe, comment, share, and get notified. Your Tuesday evening uh, resumes right now. But don't forget uh, that in a half hour, we'll be live right back here with Rob Sussman. Thanks so much, uh, everybody. Uh, Appreciate you watching. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. And one other thing I, I should point out, and and I know I said I'd talk about stop talking about Trent Richardson, but just think about that, like um, the roller coaster of trading draft picks. You had a case where Jason Kahn made a T-shirt um, hating this Cleveland Browns when they traded Trent Richardson for a first-round pick, and it ended up being a steal. And then what happened with that pick? It was traded um, to get up four more spots to draft Johnny Menzel. Huge washout. It didn't work out there. Um, we talked about Christian Watson earlier. Remember, everybody was ridiculing this dude for drops. Um, that, that he's never going to be anything because he's dropping the football. Two other big-time uh, receivers, one's in the Hall of Fame, one is on a Hall of Fame trajectory, and they both started their careers with the Green Bay Packers, and they stunk with catching the football. One was James Lofton, Lofton beg your pardon, and one was Devontae Adams. Is Christian Watson next in line there? Probably not, but he does fit the prototype of a guy who struggled with drops early, still struggled with drops in that game against Dallas, but is certainly coming on now. As Joe Bryant from footballguys.com likes to say, things change pretty fast around here. And uh, to that end, we're ending this show and we're starting a new one in less than a half hour. Thanks for watching, everybody. Be good. We'll see you on Friday.